Hello and welcome to Scran, a podcast passionate about Scottish food and drink. This week I'm joined in the studio with Sean Murphy, who's finally here in person. He's the editor of the Scotsman Food and Drink site. Hi Sean. Yeah, I'm actually travelled through all the way from Glasgow today, which was a harrowing trip. And also we have Amelie, who is the founder of Beer Without Beards. Hi. Hello. Hello. So we're just going to have a, a chat mainly about Beer Without Beards. For anyone that doesn't know, it's a women-only beer club it's run here in Edinburgh. So can you tell us a bit about the inspiration behind the club? I founded a beer with a beer a um, couple of years ago now. The inspiration was to mainly to give some safe space to women when they want to just enjoy a drink, going to the pub with friends, learning about beer, discussing about beer with other women. Basically. How did you come up with it? The name is brilliant. How did you come up with it? <laughs> I mean, the stereotype in the craft beer kind of industry is usually the white man with beard. So it was kind of a like a joke about that. We Not the stereotype of the craft beer drinker. You, we are mo- women. We don't have beards. So it's beers without beards. I noticed that everybody's looking at me <laughs> when you said that. I so. was just about to say you're a man with a beard. What, what, exactly, what, exactly the stereotype. <laughs> what do you think of that then? No, no I think it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, we've wrote about it a little bit before and I was actually blown away by the concept because I do think that it's really important for women to be able to give in spaces where they're not patronised in these things. And I've seen it so many times, not just in whiskey and gin, craft beer as well, you know, that even without asking for advice on how to drink beer or what beers are like, there's obviously a lot of mansplaining going on. You know, I've worked in the pot still in Glasgow for many a year and some of the girls who work in there, my cousins in particular, or, you know, like my girlfriend, they are infinitely knowledgeable, but you'll meet guys who immediately want to disregard that because... They're women and they shouldn't know as much as they do, even though they, they probably know more. So when I read about Beers Without Beards, I thought it was such an interesting concept to be able to allow women to be able to go and just enjoy it without having to you know, feel uncomfortable about that level of interaction with men and mansplaining as to what a beer is or how to drink it. You know, when, when Obviously you guys love beer, that's the whole point, so you shouldn't need to have to justify or explain it. What's important to, to say is like the UK has the, the, the lowest uh, percentage of female beer drinker. We have 17% of women who drink, who say they drink beer once, once a week at least. And it's majority because they feel shamed or they feel uncomfortable to, to drink beer and all the point of beers or beers or other group like ladies that be in Liverpool or Crafty Bagel in London was to change that image to just give confidence to, to women who want to try beer just like you can look at us we're drinking we're enjoying it we're not shame we're not like like men because we, we enjoy beer we just want learn and, and drink beer and that's it. And why do you think that women would feel like uncomfortable drinking beer? Is it is it because of the traditional male stereotype of like lager or is it like a diet thing or I mean I think marketing I've done for years like I give a really bad image of beer to to women uh, because it's, beer was basically a product for men. So most of the women I just don't think that's they can enjoy beer, they can drink beer. Yeah, like it's never been marketed for them, so they don't... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of chat around that recently with the really interesting sort of like pump clips and beer names, yeah. you know, that they can be quite 
sexist and, and although it's okay to have fun with names and, and create things but you only need to see some of the really traditional ones that have mm-hmm. really you know ridiculous names like ditzy blonde and stuff like that and mm-hmm. really infer that idea that it's mainly like you're kind of culture of like male dominated that women shouldn't be in that space which is not really the case and I think really interestingly a lot of craft beer Mm -hmm. companies are now moving away from that and producing beers that don't have that intimation or anything that they're they're becoming slightly more open to allowing just anybody to enjoy them rather than having even accidentally having that inference that, that it's for men basically so i suppose as well as a, a safe space to enjoy beer it must be a good way to meet people have you found that and have you made quite a lot of good friends through it oh yeah i mean basically all my friends are from the <laughs> from the group business of this i started a group i was i was in scotland for just a few months so the majority of my friends are coming from the group we started a group where four people or for the first meetup the last one last weekend, uh, last week, was probably around 25, 30 people. We more than 200 people on the group now, so it's just like, it's it's amazing. It's great. I mean, the, the community aspect of that, you're bringing back the old pub culture of uh, being the centre of, you know, socialising and, and not feeling, you know, let, left out, that you can actually create a community for people to go and enjoy beer and and, and also share your passion, which I think is really important. I think when you when you enjoy something like that, it must be much more exciting for you to talk about it with somebody else rather than, <laughs> you know, sitting drinking it alone and not, people not really understanding what your passion is. So mm-hmm. it must be nice to have that connection. Yes, yes. I mean, what's it's really interesting in the group is it composed with female work in the industry, but also just female beer drinkers. So the beer drinker learn from... Also, people who are coming from the industry, brewers, people who work in marketing, in sales, and people who set up brewery as well. So it's very rich in terms of conversation and and what people can learn from each other. Even people from the industry learn a lot about female consumer of beer as well. So it's a good good way for them to sort of know what female consumers drinking, what they're talking about, what they're interested in. Yeah, yeah it's good. Mm-hmm. But you take it you started the club in Edinburgh because that's where you came to stay and wanted to continue on. So but how did you get into beer or craft beer? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like um, quite a long time now that I work in the beer industry. I set up beer bottle shop in Paris with my ex-husband back in 2008. So that's basically what gets me into into craft beer. I was a like, craft beer drinker before that, but we started working on that. And and I, I, I've been in the shop for like almost 10 years and, and I went to Scotland two years ago and uh, with the idea to just stay four months and go back to Paris, I was planning to uh, set up my company and doing freelancing and marketing for beer and spirits industry. And finally, here I am two years later, <laughs> still in Scotland, still in Edinburgh. I I really liked living there, living in Scotland and in Edinburgh. So I just decided to start my freelancing activity in, in Scotland in, instead of France. For all the time that you've been in, in the industry and one way or another, how have you found that it's changed for women? I think... Women just realize now that more than before that we have a problem of sexism in the industry, definitely. I mean, when I started in the industry, sometime I was in the shop, people were coming in and asking me if the men was there because they didn't want to deal with me for buying their beer. They didn't think that I was knowledgeable, I could 
just sell them and give them advices about the beer. And I just used to think that it was kind of normal and say the joke about that. No, we definitely more realize that there's that's its problem and people shouldn't react like that when there's women behind the bar or in the shop giving them advice. We are knowledgeable as well as men working in the industry and we can do the same job. So I think the big change is now we don't want to accept that anymore. Which is true. (laughs) 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 And many industries as well. (laughs) So working in a shop or behind a bar, what do you find that, or from your group as well, what do you find that um, women enjoy drinking in terms of craft beer? Is there a specific brand or flavour or is it all very, very different? It's very, very different. It's just you can't, there's not, no, in my opinion, there's no taste branded or taste defined for women. It depends on your background, depends on your taste, if you're more a salty person and sweet, a sweet person. It depends on so many, so many things. I don't think we, can, we could define a range or brand made for women. That would be very easy for the marketeers, wouldn't it, if you could? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, of brands that try to do that, like for a long time now and they just they failed so that's that's the proof that the taste is not gendered and what advice would you give someone who wants to try craft beer for the first time so say they, it's not really what they drink at all but they want to try and give it a go I mean to probably to be curious to doesn't listen what people think they're gonna like but trust themselves and if they're for example, wine drinker, red wine drinker, maybe go for some for a beer that in terms of flavour are really close to red wine. Like a, maybe like a, a porter, a rich porter, or if people like gin and tonic, for example, something more, I don't know, citrusy, salty. So it's very, very different. We we've done like a, a tasting like that for our last Women in Beer Festival and it was Basically, the idea to uh, match your favorite drink with with a style of beer. So there was cocktail, gin and tonic, uh, wine that we matched with different kind of beer, and it was really really interesting. Yeah, I've quite surprised myself because I really like sour beer, and it's not something I ever thought I would like. And then I got my cousin to try it, and she was like, "No way!" Yeah, <laughs> just it's really interesting, especially the mm-hmm. variety out there now. So, do you have a favorite beer or brewery? Oh, that's very difficult. <laughs> that's a trick question. Depends what time of the day it is, or yeah, yeah, it's very true. Depend on the season. Depend of the when you if you're with friends or if you're alone or if what time of the moment of the of the day. If it's sunny outside, if it's rainy. I mean, yeah, there's so many different kind of beer for different kind of moments that I could definitely couldn't choose. <laughs> is there like a Scottish? Brewery just now that's maybe exciting you in terms of what they're doing rather than them being a favourite, but them they're maybe doing something a bit more interesting or you know I'm I'm, I'm quite enamoured with like Pilot Brewing and they are mm-hmm. um, amazing social media and they do great beers as well but <laughs> or like Fallon and things is there, is there any ones that really particularly stand out for you or I would say I would say that I really liked what Vault City has done all this year in terms of sour beer but if I I got to be very corporate and full disclosure, I work with them. So <laughs> Copper Van Brewery is going to launch a new barraging project. And what they, they plan to do, uh, what they already start with the, this ranch, 
is very, very interesting. I think it's going to be very interesting in the next few months. So your work with Beer Without Beards recently, well, Beer Without Beards recently teamed up and went to the Harry Watt um, University. Sean, you've kind of written a bit about that. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a really interesting project. I was quite surprised and excited to see that you guys had you know, collaborated. I thought it was really, really cool because the National Selection Bruins are doing some really interesting things. So Harry Watt, a few years back, decided they wanted to give students practical experience of not only making beers, but running almost a brewery, although technically not a brewery because they don't have a physical brewery, but they give them the idea of what it's like to make a beer, label it and then put it out to market. So I'd spent about a time with them, uh, went through and watched them brewing and it was really, really interesting. They'd picked five students each was given a different role, which they had to apply for, like a job. So there was two two girls and three guys, I think mm-hmm. it was, yeah. And they were really, really great, good chat, really interested, and, and the passion was really flown through it. And when I was talking about it, the excitement of being able to just do something like that and test different recipes and, you know, create a beer themselves. So to see you guys have worked with them was really, really interesting. And seeing that collaboration come to, to a head was because you were working with the girls who the, the students had worked on the, the side. Mm-hmm. I know you didn't actually go, you didn't make it long on a brewing day, did you? Or yeah, yeah, you know, I was there. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Was that quite interesting to see the hands-on aspect of that like actually how for me it was really fascinating just to see the little bits like you know walking about with the the bags of like you know hops and ingredients and stuff like was was that an insight for you into what it was like and of you, I mean, I'm presuming you've done stuff like that before, but it'd be quite exciting to see it with your group. Yeah, it's always exciting. A brew day is always, I mean, it's where the magic happens. So uh, it's always exciting to come along for a brew day. We've been contacted by the the, the team uh, for a natural selection just like a couple of weeks before we decided to to brew beer together, and and we. I thought it was really, really interesting to to do like a collab with them, and it's so we we went to to Stuart Brewing uh, to the beer kitchen to to brew with them with a couple of uh, people from the group, and it's yeah it was really really fun. It's always a fun time, but it's something that we try to do with the group quite often to just like bring a few people, four or five people to a brewery, bring a collab, release it, and just raise awareness about sexism in the beer industry and the fact that yeah women can brew too <laughs> so you know you've done it once do you think there's a possibility in future you might create a beer without beards beer brand going forward that oh, can wow. raise, a, raise awareness of you know would it be quite interesting to maybe team up with another brewery and see if you could we do that quite regularly we've done like the last last collab we we, we done was a couple of weeks ago with Cross Border, we've done three different collabs for the Women in Beer Festival, once with Cloudwater from Manchester. Amazing. So, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, it was a really big, big uh, thing for us. But, yeah, we try to do that really regularly to uh, give the opportunity to, to people who are not from the industry to just, like, touch it as well. And the thing is, we, I mean... I always say that that kind of brew day, I do that. It's, it's sometimes not easy because we need to find time in planning with the brewery and, and with us as well. But it's if it can like provoke a vocation to someone in the group who are absolutely not in the industry, but suddenly just say, I love that. That's what I want to do. I mean, that's a win. Yeah. That's what I want to. And it's a great way to introduce maybe more women to the industry as yeah. well because they actually might, 
discover a love or a passion, like you're saying, that mm-hmm. previously they'd only been drinking it, but now they're suddenly wanting to go and actually learn how to yeah, brew. Yeah, and to brew it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They might come up with an idea that someone else has never thought of because they've never done it before. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so you've done, I think recently it was a beer and donut pairing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you doing anything like that again this year? Have you got events and things lined up? Yeah, yeah. We, we try to do, with the group, with Beers of Beer, we try to do uh, like what we call a social amount. So a social is basically going out for a few beers, it's women only. But... We try to do also events that are mixed, that open to to all, to show also to people that we're not like really just a woman in beer group, but we're very, very inclusive of everyone and to highlight women also working in industry. So we do tasting sometimes, the donut and, and beer pairing or cheese and beer pairing. But we also do some event like um, Women in Beer Tap Takeover or Showcase to showcase women in the, in the industry and that kind of event open to everyone. And how would someone who, so someone who's listening who's never either heard about it before or has an interest, how do they get involved? Do they just get in touch and come along to uh, meet up and is it that simple? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very simple. We we have like a page on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook as well. We have a, a, a private group on, on Facebook. Every every woman wants to, to be involved just join the group and all our events are published on the, on that group. Yeah, and I take it it's open to all skill levels. You don't have to fill in a test or anything before you join. No, you can, absolutely you not. You can just come along if you've never, but you're just curious yeah. and you want to try beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, a bit of a, a funny question for you. <laughs> Is there any, th- any specific... Or sorry, what beer should people drink to avoid a hangover? A non-alcoholic <laughs> beer, probably. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Because there's a lot of low, sort of low ABV ones coming out now as well, sort of low calorie, low. It's a big trend. It's a big trend in industry. The no or low uh, ABV beer, and I, I think it's also a good thing. I mean, we don't have to be to drink like really, really boozy beer to appreciate. And no, I think brewery have made a lot of progress for their their no and low uh, alcoholic range and. It's absolutely gorgeous beer. Because I know from me, I would like sort of look at beer and think I do like it, but I don't think I would drink lots of it in case it makes you put on weight because it's that whole, there's like eight slices of bread and a pint. But that's not true of craft beer, is it? It's probably a misnomer a lot of time. There's a lot of misinformation about there. I mean, there are a lot of calories in beer, but there's probably a lot of calories in things that you're, you're doing anyway. So it's probably important to be aware of it. But the old traditional idea of like beer bellies and chins and things like that aren't always down to drinking beer. They're just traditional myths I'm not saying you won't maybe put on weight if you drink loads and loads of beer but the good thing about craft beer is you don't necessarily have to drink six or seven pints a night you know you can like we're talking about the the session beers or the low, low ABV beers you can actually just sit and enjoy you know one or two and, and have a chat with friends and then you, you were not necessarily going to put on you know weight by drinking as many pints as you would normally do and that's what craft beer for me is really good for is that a lot of the time you don't have to drink you know, eight or nine, you can just have a few. Okay, so we're now going to go to a section of the podcast and I'm going to involve you in this, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) So there's two different sections. The first one is Desert Island drinks. So I'll ask you, Emily, three drinks you would take onto a desert island. What would they be? Three drinks. Three drinks, yeah. (laughs) Doesn't all have to be beer. Wow. And Sean, I'll ask you about your drams. Wow. (laughs) It's very difficult. I probably, in terms of beer, I probably would take a wee heavy 
because it's one of my favorite style of beer. Uh, so probably a whiskey with that to to go with the way heavy. <laughs> half and half. Yeah, and I don't know. Do we have to to have a third? No. Water, probably. It's a desert island. Water. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not many people say water. A lot of people have just said three alcoholic drinks. So. And Sean, if you could take only three drams onto a desert island, what would they be? I probably won't pick a gin because I'll get moaned at from all my gin friends. So I'll pick a favourite I'll get. But I would take a gin and, and uh, enjoy that. Then I would also take a dram in terms of sort of my desert island dram that I um, absolutely love would be a Barora, which is an old distillery, which is getting reopened quite soon. It's the first whiskey I ever fell in love with. So that would be my perfect choice. And third would probably be a nice beer. I'm a massive fan of like a Berlin of ice, so I'd probably take that. But I'm not sure how well a sour beer would go down in the, the in a desert yeah. island. So, you know, I might be better going with something a bit lighter, like a, a paleo or a golden ale. So let's see. And finally, we have My Life and Food, which is a set of quick fire questions just to sort of see your relationship with food and drink. OK, so what food brings back childhood nostalgia? Wow, uh, it's probably... My big brother used to do like a cookie at Christmas and it's probably that kind of taste that definitely yeah, bring, bring me back to childhood. If you had an hour to cook a meal for yourself, what would you make? Yeah, probably pasta. <laughs> <laughs> What's your food guilty pleasure? I would say donuts. You're in a bar at 1am, what, what drink do you order? Well, I'd say barley wine. I've never tried that before. <laughs> And if you knew if you knew you were going to have your last ever meal, what would you have? Ooh, wow. Um, that's a very difficult question. I don't know, probably uh, I no idea what I would order, but I would ask my dad to cook it for me because he's a really good cook. So, yeah, whatever he do, I, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready for this, Sean? We'll do. <laughs> okay, what food brings back childhood nostalgia? For me, it's probably... My mum's minced potatoes. <laughs> a lot of people think mince and tatties is quite a bland uh, meal, but I actually love it. Mum makes some of the best, you know, mince um, and the potatoes. And um, and even to an extent, my dad used to make it as well. You'd mash sidebees through the potatoes, which always brings me back. Don't do it anymore, but I probably should. But yeah, definitely that. And if you had an hour to cook a meal for yourself, what would you make? Uh, oh, I don't really know because I'm a terrible cook. Uh, I, I would try probably to make my mum's got a soup recipe that I use quite a lot and I really love it it's really good like winter broth so I'd probably cook that what's your food guilty pleasure I adore McDonald's cheeseburgers I just think they're the perfect example you know I'm so fed up going to like burger restaurants and getting these huge tower burgers and I just think that in terms of balance like sauce size everything McDonald's cheeseburgers will nailed it Almost like they've done it mechanically. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they actually have a lot of science behind that. It's really interesting. They've got people who they pay to look into how much sauce there should be on a burger, how much. I mean, don't get me wrong, the meat's not the best, but yeah, it'd be definitely that. In your opinion, the meat's not the best. <laughs> uh, you're in a bar at 1am, what drink do you order? At 1am, I'm probably quite, wouldn't say quite far along, but probably at that point I should be slowing down a little bit, so I'd probably go for a gin and tonic. Mm, in terms of the gin, probably a Scottish gin, obviously, being on brand and stuff like that, but something that's maybe not 
spicy or anything a little bit light or refreshing just to, to keep me going at that time of night. And if you knew it was going to be your last ever meal, what would you have? See, I think about this one all the time and I'm really, I really struggle with it. But I was in the Gannet recently and they did this monkfish dish, which I would say is probably the best seafood dish I've ever ate. So I'd probably go for that. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to find out more about beer without beards, which I am saying correctly. <laughs> and yeah, it sounds like a great chance for women to meet up and make friends and chat about beer and drink beer and Sean thank you very much for coming all the way through from Glasgow. No problem. Thank you. You can download Scran wherever you listen to your podcasts but for exclusive interactive immersive content download the Entail app for iOS and Android. If you like what you've heard please rate and review Scran and help other listeners discover us too. This is a Laudable production for The Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following on Twitter where we are at Laudable Pods and Instagram by searching Laudable underscore podcasts.